0: Welcome to Surreal Politics, Stage 1, Episode 3. You know, there's, um, there's some weeks where you just don't know what to say. And there's other weeks where you just don't know where to start. Today begins the latter sort of week, so happy Monday, ladies and gentlemen. I chose the episode title today. I titled it... Oh, you don't even know that, because I didn't publish the episode title in advance. That was a thing I used to do. I titled the episode today... Way Down We Go, you who are watching live, of course. You people who download the podcast, you know exactly what this thing is titled. But I chose the title, uh, the episode title today, Way Down We Go, because I like a song by that name from a band called Calio, but I'm not going to play it because I don't have licensing for it, but you may have heard it. There's not much in the way of words to it. It's just Way Down We Go, 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 Go. And I sort of like, uh, I, I kind of feel that way when I watch the news sometimes, right? Like, it's not particularly informative. You know, like a uh, a huge red, flashing red light with the siren could probably tell you about as much. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I caught a little something about a president getting indicted. You might have heard a whisper or two about that, I imagine. And I don't figure I should spend a whole lot of time on this, given that um, you already heard everybody else say plenty, but... It would seem negligent to just gloss over it. So here goes. You know, what I find sort of amusing about the coverage of this is nobody can seem to figure out if the Democrats are trying to keep Donald Trump from getting the Republican nomination or help Donald Trump to get the Republican nomination. And I'd say this reveals a lot about the people who posit these theories, not that I'm keeping score. Seems to me if you think the Democrats are trying to help Donald Trump by indicting him, aside from the fact that you got a funny idea help. You think it's because Joe Biden will beat Donald Trump in a general election, or at least you think the Democrats believe that. Now, on Entropy today, for using the live stream, I put a poll up and I asked you if uh, music during the monologue is a good idea, and we're going to experiment with that right now. <laughs> Given that we're all apparently compelled to by some kind of unwritten law to believe the results of the last election, I suppose I can see why you might come to that conclusion. I'm a bit more skeptical myself. Whenever somebody tells me I'm a moral outcast for questioning a historical event, I tend to think I'm getting snowed. There's a lot of that going around, you might have gathered. It's been going around for a long time, too. I mean, even if Joe Biden did get more votes than any president in the history of this country, which I stress is a bit of a stretch, it doesn't seem to me like it's at all obvious that that's going to happen again. I'd say, if you think the election was on a level, then a Trump-Biden rematch is sort of like the last thing the Democrats ought to want, don't you think? Polling I've seen says that people would have changed their vote had they not been duped on a laptop story alone. Maybe turn it down a little bit. Is that a little too loud? Then you stack on the absolute chaos of inflation, this Ukraine fiasco, and the fact that Joe Biden acts like walking up the stairs is harder than solving a Rubik's Cube, and this thing ain't no coin to us, if you ask me. If you think the last election was not on the level, well, all right, that makes a little bit more sense. In that scenario, the Democrats think they can screw Donald Trump easier than they can screw Nikki Haley because he hasn't been turning tricks for the military-industrial complex his whole life. They figure if he's a nominee, they could just pull the same scam they pulled last time and keep on grooming the kindergartners, right? Now, what is that? That is interesting to know. Okay. That is interesting to know. Sorry. couple problems with that theory, I'd say. That doesn't seem to jive with what little track I've kept of who's saying what, for one. The people who think the Democrats are trying to help Trump by indicting him are the same ones who say you're some kind of QAnon crackpot for thinking there might be a reason the Democrats scrapped all the fraud protections on the elections. I mean, I get the theory. You persecute Trump, that proves him right. He says, I told you so, give me the power to stop these people. There's a theory that this helps him in a Republican primary. Okay, plausible, but who thought he needed to get indicted to pull that off? Last I checked, Donald Trump was 30 points ahead of Ron DeSantis, his closest rival in a Republican primary polling. Throw Vivek Ramaswamy, Nikki Haley, and now Asa Hutchinson of all people into the mix. And you mean to tell me that Donald Trump had to do anything other than pop off on Truth Social to win a Republican primary? I don't think so. Donald Trump doesn't have to get dragged through the New York City courts to tell people he was right. Donald Trump, I mean, it's not even Donald Trump, but, you know, the, the general theory is proven right. A hundred times for every dollar Joe Biden launders through Ukraine, for every sick sexual experiment carried out on a child, for every gay porno that shows up in a public school library, for every migrant caravan that has become so common it hardly seems newsworthy anymore, for every trip to the grocery store where you spend an extra 20 minutes trying to figure out, forget about the cost, the time you spend in the grocery store just trying to understand the prices, Donald Trump has proven more than right. But as I said, it's not even Donald Trump that's proven right. It's just that we're seeing the absolute absurdity of the idea that anybody actually thinks Democrat rule is a good thing. Yeah, there's people who prefer it because they're monsters and they want bad things to happen. We live live among corrupt, evil people who take some kind of sick satisfaction in the misery of others. There's entirely too many of them, fine. Yeah, there's people who don't know which way is up and they vote like they're throwing dice, but 100 million of them, come on, give me a break. Have more faith in your countrymen than that. You know who thinks that last election was rigged? The Democrats who say it was on a level, okay? Anybody who thinks they're going to win a popularity contest with transgender kindergartners is too disconnected from reality to climb the political ladder. The people who push this stuff are telling you they can do whatever they want and you can't even dislodge them because they've got it in the bag, you see? I mean, there was a time, I'm old enough to remember this, I don't know about all of you, but back in the day, and I mean back in the day, back in the day, Some people actually thought the Democrats were the good guys. Now, you know, if you're young guys, it might be hard for you to remember. People thought they cared about workers and poor people. (laughs) I know, I'm showing my age here. A king, a couple people might even bought into like the race stuff and the feminism or whatever. But the gender crazies and the migrant stuff really put the lie to that. And I think the lesbians are pretty sick of getting called Nazis for their aversion to having men in their bathrooms. I think there were a lot of good, intention, well-intentioned people who bought into the marijuana stuff, but I have my doubts about the viability of a pro-Fentanyl political party. So I actually don't think the Trump indictment has almost anything to do with the election, as it, as it turns out. I think it's just what these people do. If they thought voting had anything to do with political power in America, they would at least pretend to be trying to improve people's lives. Democrats are vicious, dishonest monsters who do not want you to think that they, what they are doing is good or honest or just, it's just plain terrorism. You take that guy, they, Ricky Vaughn, they call him, Douglas Mackey. Now, they put him on trial for the tweet about voting by text, which, if you don't know, is like a perennial election meme. It happens all the time. That and the one about the, uh, the, you know, the different election days for Republicans and Democrats. You've seen these things. But he could have told them to vote by telepathy or tap on their heels three times, and it would have had basically the same impact on the election. And moreover, I'd be kind of shocked to find out that this guy didn't actually commit a crime somewhere, by the way. There's an argument to be made. They put him on trial over the tweet as some kind of cover-up, you think about it. This Mackey guy was mixed up with Chuck Johnson over some racket called Smart Checker. Then somebody showed me a lawsuit where Johnson sued a bunch of guys over the Smart Checker thing. And in the lawsuit, Johnson says he was an FBI informant working with, quote, the Intelligence Committee. Though it wasn't immediately clear to me if he meant the House or the Senate or what the idea was behind this. But if Vaughn was working with Johnson and Johnson is in league with spooks, then going on what I know about the American intelligence agency, somebody probably broke a law somewhere and it wasn't about duping the hood into voting by text. And this is extra suspicious, I'd say, because you've got Tucker Carlson and other people with power backing Vaughn in this. Now, if you know anything about me, I love Tucker Carlson, right? I mean, if there's an honest person on television, and that's a big if, but if there's an honest person on television, it's Tucker Carlson. So when I first saw him covering his case, I was like, wow, Tucker's helping Ricky? And then I was like, but Tucker didn't help none of the other guys who got dragged by the DOJ. I mean, the J6 people, sure, but that's an entire different category of action, right? Ricky Vaughn was J-naming on Gab while sabotaging other nationalists over some optics nonsense. It was obviously subversive. So if this guy's running ops on nationalists while working with spies, seems to me that's something that Biden DOJ wouldn't necessarily mind. And it's definitely out of character for anybody collecting a paycheck from Fox News to come to the aid of an anti-Semite, no matter how badly the guy was getting screwed, which which I happen to know a thing or two about, you might have heard. So I suppose I should state that yeah, like if this guy's getting dragged over a tweet, that's wrong. The jury did convict him, apparently, and on its face, uh, it seems pretty bad. The jury had said they were deadlocked and then the judge like read them the riot act and were like, hey, you got to come up with a verdict or we're going to have to do our damn jobs and we got other people to screw. And then the jury came back and they were like, all right, you know, we weren't sure about his guilt before, but you know, now that you made us miss another day of work, F this guy. And now he faces a statutory max of 10 years. So, I mean, he's not going to do that time. You got to understand. In the feds, you got something called sentencing guidelines. Okay. And it's based on your offense level and your criminal history. And it's not my understanding that Mr. Vaughn was exactly Al Capone. So he's probably looking at probation, maybe an ankle monitor. In my book, the worst part of a conviction is getting disarmed. So I'm not saying this ain't serious, but I'm just explaining my understanding of how these things work. One in, one out. It's kind of how it goes, you know? They let that Andrew Tate guy uh, out of jail in Romania. Now, I don't know anything about this guy, except what I saw, like, he was on Tucker Carlson. They had his lawyers on Tucker Carlson or whatnot, right? Um, but uh, I'll tell you what I did kind of found uh, kind of weird about this. And I'll tell you, too, if you want to call into the show today, you can do that. It's 217-688-1433. 217-688-1433. If you want to get on hold, that'd be a fine thing for you to do now. Um, so you might have heard I got back on Twitter recently I wasn't on there for a long time so I'm on there now and my uh, my handle on there is at talk radio god at talk radio god which I should say it, it's amazing I didn't think that thing was going to be available so like how the heck did nobody else you know do that um so I think I'm gonna get a new birth certificate I'm gonna change my name legally to talk radio god but more to the point I get on Twitter and not long after this this Andrew Tate guy gets out and I and I heard about him on the news so I'm like okay yeah I'll follow this guy see what he's got to say now I think Twitter might be like they're sort of overcorrecting, you know because, like, uh, Twitter Twitter doesn't send you emails and pop-up notifications for everybody you follow and everything they do, right? But I followed this Andrew Tate guy, and the next thing you know, Twitter wants to set up the fire alarm in my building every time he lights a cigarette. Like, at the top of my feed, it's Andrew Andrew Tate pacing back and forth, smoking a cigarette with no shirt on, and I got, like, ten emails saying, Andrew tweet Andrew Tate tweeted, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, okay, this is stupid. How do I stop getting these emails? And Twitter's like, well, I'll stop sending you emails all at all. You know? Or can we... And And I'm like, well... We can send you, uh, damn. Twitter doesn't give you the option to say, don't send me emails about this anymore. All they do is like, they'll send you no emails or they'll send you, uh, you know, Andrew Tate smoking cigarettes. So I'm like, okay, I'll unfollow unfa- Andrew Tate. And, you know, that's like, that's stupid. How about Andrew Tate shows up my feed like any other person I follow and you don't act like some groupy Tinder trap blowing up my phone every time he changes his underwear. It's an overcorrection, I think, right? Because, you know, back in 2017, Twitter would have been like, I don't care if you were fountain and I'm not guilty. You know, somebody said you're a meanie, and now you don't get to view my ads anymore. F off. Now they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to promote the heck out of Andrew Tate because we're anti-SJW now. And that seems, uh, I don't know, it's a little, little, little much, if you ask me. But I'm also kind of a paranoiac, I guess, because, like, you know, I couldn't even help but notice the same day or within the same 24 hours, I should probably give myself some leeway, you know. But in proximity to Tate's release in any case, police in Romania, they pick up this other guy who the left hates. He's got a war on stateside. And it just seems to me that if the left had to choose between some guy who said mean things about the people who fund the half the Democratic Party or a sex trafficker, you know, it wouldn't be hard to figure out, you know, who would they go after. No, ain't no coin choice. The groomers take the critic. Speaking of rumors, there was a transurrection recently, you might have heard. Apparently, they got bent out of shape because one of theirs killed half a dozen people, half kids, half seniors. And um, society has not yet um, apologized uh, satisfactorily to their satisfaction for making the maniac do it. And so the gender mafia, they got they got really mad. And so they went out and they were like, uh, they said that there were seven victims. Which, if you watch the news, you're like, no, there was a murderer and the murderer killed six people. So that means there was six six victims okay and the mafia they say no that's nazi math and i'm gonna punch you in the face and so they said that they were going to have a trans day of vengeance in washington dc and they were promoting it with them wearing body armor and rifles in their pictures on the social media sites and i was like oh yeah i will watch that on the news please do an armed march on Washington DC because I think that might be the proverbial straw that broke the camel's toe or what I don't know what these people are working with anymore it's too ambiguous but you get the idea I couldn't even figure it out like what was the actual sex or gender or whatever word they use now of whatever maniac who killed the kids in the seasoned citizens because they were calling the thing a she and I was like hey don't call it a she these things just pretend to be women and and people like no it was a chick who tried to become a guy, and I was like, oh, I guess that makes it sort of better because they're actually telling me the actual sex of the killer. But I'm also kind of like, wait a second, since when is this a thing? Like, usually the gender groomers are like, oh, I'm a low status man and I've got a like a sexual hangup, so I'm gonna put on a dress and try to, you know, burn out the GPS on my phone with the AIDS app or whatever. And but I, I guess now there's like there's chicks that are doing steroids and they're like, hey, I'm John and stuff, and 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 I'm like, I don't know, I don't know what to do. Like, should we let them in the bathroom? I don't get it. Because with the other ones, like, obviously the problem is, you know, they're going to rape somebody or whatever. And, and and like, that's the whole point, I think. But w- with these ones, it's like, hey, what are you doing, lady? You know, you had it so good. Now you want my problems? Fine. Like, you can go ahead, like, take them. Go ahead. I don't, you know, whatever. But it's kind of nuts because... Like if you know anything about hormones, oh my God! You know, you know the guys—the guys—they try to become chicks, so they take estrogen, right? And then they cry. And you got to figure some of them are like, oh wait, you know this ain't for me. And then they stop and they just be gay like regular gay guys or whatever. But with the girls, you know they take a shit out of testosterone. And they're like, oh man, I feel confident and strong. This must be how I was supposed to be born. And I'm like, no, sweetheart, it's called—it's called drugs. It's—it's it's a drug. And if you've ever gone a week without—what's the word that we use in like a family-friendly show? We say, um, you know, if you don't get the poison out or whatever. It's one heck of a drug, and you, like, if you're a guy and you're born that way, you sort of figure out how to handle this stuff over the course of a lifetime, assuming you don't go out with a bang during puberty, which, you know, some people do. But, you know, these things, it's like, it's like it's amateur night, okay? Like, my dad always told me, you don't drink and drive on New Year's Eve, Christmas, or Fourth of July, because because the other drunks on the road, like, they don't know what they're doing on those nights. You know, the guys who drive drunk on any given Wednesday, they're pros. You follow... So, like, the same thing applies to testosterone, I gotta figure. So, no wonder this maniac was like, I'll show you how madly I am and killed a bunch of people with an AR-15 because that's the cartoon image of manhood he got from watching CNN and he can't hold his liquor, so to speak, or in this case, his testosterone or her, or whatever. Y- you get the idea. And that's kind of the thing, too. The, the confusion, I guess, is-, is really the whole point, you know? You gotta figure every creep in a country was really, like, enjoying all this confusion about whether or not to call it he or she, right? They're subversive. Like, they want to make thought impossible. They don't actually care what the fact of the matter is so long as you can't tell which way is up. And that was what the news was like. A transgender woman is the story. And people are like, oh, you mean a guy? And they were like, no, it's a woman who is transgender. And we're like, wait a second. I thought Democrats said trans women were women, which means they're men because Democrats always lie. And they're like, yeah, well, that's that's usually how it works. But I'm just telling you, that this maniac was born with a woman's apparatus and got jacked up on steroids. And we're like, okay, fine. Like, I get it now. But it didn't even happen, you know, all that quick in actual experience. You know, this went on all day. I got mad at Laura Ingram. You know, she comes on at 10 p.m. Eastern and she's calling it a she. And I got all bent out of shape for her being political correct. And then, like, people on Telegram had to correct me. And they're like, no, nah, dude had a, you know, well, this is a family program. But you get the idea. But I saw a video. The cops go in there and whack the thing. And, oh, man, was that satisfying, right? You know that thing in Uvalde where like the migrant child went in there and like bought his ticket to hell. The cops were outside for like over an hour, acting like accomplices or whatever. So they fired that fat guy later, and and was more or less the end of it because you know they blamed it on the guns because you know Democrats. Uh, but these guys in in uh, in Nashville, they went in there like Call of Duty, right? <laughs> I you know when they put the thing down, I half expected one of them to be like Yippie Kaye, mother father. And then I saw I was on uh, I was on Gab. You might have heard of that place. You can find me there. I saw somebody had a pick at a thing, and it was laid out, and it said when women compete in men's sports, which I, <laughs> I got a chuckle out of that. I found that kind of amusing. But people keep on saying that about the sports, right? Like, the women don't join men's sports teams. It's it, it's mediocre male athletes competing against women, in this gender freak stuff. But careful what you wish for, because, you know, that'll be the next thing you watch, you know? You can't take steroids in professional sports, you know, unless, of course, you know, the roid head can call you a bigot for stopping her or him with, you know, whatever. You know, I can't figure it out. Next thing you know, the entire NFL will be a bunch of white girls jacked up on Trenbolone and D-ball, and that'll be the worst thing for the Democrats since they ticked off the lesbians, right? (laughs) It'll be white supremacy all over again. And considering what some of these guys in the NFL do when they're millionaires, I'd hate to find out how badly they behave when they found themselves unemployed. But well, one thing I did find kind of nice was like how supportive everybody was of the victims and the shooting. You know, like lot of thoughts and prayers and whatnot. I saw even Madonna got in on it. She was uh, she was doing a fundraising concert in Nashville. I got the story here for the. Uh, oh no, wait a second. That wasn't uh, that wasn't for the victims. Never mind. She's doing a she's doing a fundraiser for the transgenders because I, I guess uh, no, she hates kids. That's it. She doesn't like children. There's um, there's a lot more to get to. Plus your calls. Um, I got a little bit. A business. I'll uh, I'll try to work through before we we do get to the phones, before we get to the phones at um, 21768-1433 If you'd like to be on the show, um, we did our first Wednesday members only uh, video chat last week, and I think that went pretty good. Uh, those of you who signed up, thank you very much. Uh, I realized that some people had a bit of a problem at checkout, and I sent emails to people who I could identify if like your your order was pending payment or whatever. Um, if you had trouble checking out on surrealpolitics.com, please try again. And if you have trouble, let me know at um, surrealpolitics.com contact. Some people were seeing an error message. Um, for others, the, uh, the waiting indicator just like spun and spun and spun forever. This was a problem with the, the software on the website and I worked with the developers to get it straightened out. We also added an alternative payment processor. So like if you use your credit card, if you try to use your credit or debit card to check out and you have a problem, you'll see there's now three payment options. You can use credit card primary, cryptocurrency, uh, which we offer a five percent discount by the way if you pay in cryptocurrency. Um, and below that is credit card alternative. So like if the if the first credit card thing gives you a, a problem, you can use the other one. You're not getting double billed. Um, if it doesn't if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. It's not going to bang your card twice. So I hope that solves any problems. But if not, let me know and I will get you straightened out. Um, I'm using regular phone lines here for now, as I mentioned that you can call in at 217-688-688. One, four, three, three. Um, But uh, I do intend to change that at some point. So only paying members can call in or maybe we'll do like a paper call thing. I'm also uh, looking at that. But if you become a member now, one of the perks that you get is a live video chat with me every Wednesday. We just started doing that. And uh, that is a great way to discuss things in somewhat greater depth than we sometimes have the opportunity to do here. Um, we also post the archives of those sessions as members-only content on surrealpolitics.com, and it's only listenable on the website. You won't get that in your podcast app. Um, so in the uh, in the top menu on surrealpolitics.com, you click uh, Member Features, and then you'll see member content, and then you can go and you can listen to those episodes. So thank you very much for tuning in. Let's go to the phones, 217 688 14 Three three is the number to call. If you would like to join us, caller, you are on surreal politics What's
1: on your mind? Hey Chris, so I got a massive white cell for you. Okay. Were you aware there was a mini baby boom that happened during the COVID lockdown?
0: No, I didn't. Uh, I didn't know about that. I thought that there would be one. Like I kind of like speculated that that would happen, um, but I don't. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of information about it.
1: Well. For the most part, there was actually a massive COVID baby bust. But for France, uh, United States, and I believe Canada, there was a, a mini baby boom. And believe it or not, this baby boom was mostly white. And it was amongst educated females. That during COVID, they were able to work at home. A lot of them left the city, went to the rural countryside to so they able to work at home. And there was a, a, a mini baby boom, mostly of educated white women.
0: That's excellent news. That is good news. I'm I'm glad to have uh, a little bit of a white pill, not a whole lot of them today. Um, it seems like everything is uh, is spiraling out, going sideways a lot of time, and so uh, it is good news that um, there's actually a little bit of a uh, little bit of good news. Now, um, what's what's your source on this?
1: Uh, I read the Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, and it's this guy called uh, Robert Stark on uh, Twitter. He has a Substack. He first discovered it when he was looking at the data, and I guess the uh, news th- news covered it later when they found out that this baby boom happened.
0: Well, that is uh, that is that is excellent news. I was a little bit worried about it, right? Like, I, I actually I'm trying to remember. I thought I had heard news to the contrary, and I can't uh, I can't recall precisely what I heard. But I had this idea in my house, like, okay, everybody's going to be home. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna make babies, right? Um, and I thought that that would be the well, case. And then, and then I heard contrary information. I got kind of bent out of shape about it. I'm like, you know, if you, people are not going to reproduce when you're locked in the house with each other, then I guess it's over. You know, just enjoy the decline. I guess we're just going to have to call it quits. But um, I guess... Uh, well, it
1: did go down for... I'm sorry, say again? Well, it did go down for uneducated women. Women that work in retail, that work at restaurants and such. They went down along with all other races in the world except for that small cohort of educated white females that worked in the city. They, COVID happened. They were able to work at home. They moved to the countryside, had babies. This happened in France. This happened in Canada. But for the most part, you're correct. It was a big baby bust. spirits went down dramatically during COVID.
0: Oh, so bad. what you're saying is um, you're saying that uh, um, that it was among certain demographics— it did work and it's it's among certain demographics. It was and there and among certain ones. It wasn't.
1: Yes. It's actually a very small cohort that actually had a baby boom. Most of the uh, world had a baby bust. Okay.
0: I got you. Well, that's probably actually, it's almost kind of like, uh, it's almost a best case scenario in some sense, right? Uh,
1: well, since we're on the topic of birth rates, um, I'm not sure if you I know you have Jordan Peterson sometimes as your uh, intro on your show. Have you heard his uh, latest interview with this guy named Stephen J. Shaw, a documentarian?
0: Um, I haven't heard any interviews with um i I've, I've I other than in the other than in the uh introduction to the other show that I do, I have not heard the voice of Jordan Peterson um in the last few months.
1: Oh, okay. So this guy, Stephen J. Saul, made a documentary called Earth Cat. So it might surprise a lot of people, but fertility is like collapsing around the world. Not just in the developed world, the first world countries like Germany, Japan, South Korea, but even places like in Latin America, Mexico, Brazil. And in his documentary, he's showing that there's a big explosion in childlessness. So you have like, of women in South Korea who passed childbearing years are childless. Italy, it's like 40%. It's like a crazy amount that's never been seen before. And he's just going over the uh, causes and stuff on why this is going on. His theories on why it's going on. I actually highly recommend listening to the interview that he had with Jordan uh, Peterson on the podcast.
0: I'm I'm sorry I I, I <laughs> there's a very very bad impolite of me I looked at a technical thing, and so um, I, I missed the last part of what you said and I apologize. So who is this? Who, wh- what is the relevance of this guy? What am I supposed to respond to?
1: Oh, since we're talking about births and stuff, there's this guy that came out with a documentary, Birth Gap. Okay, he he made, he made he made a documentary do called
0: Birth Gap. I haven't seen that one either, so I don't I don't know that I can um, that I can speak intelligently to it, but. Um, so yeah, just want
1: you audience to know to to check it out. It's actually a pretty interesting documentary. Well, thank and you very
0: much. I will. Uh, I I will. I will encourage them to do that. It sounds like an interesting. It uh, sounds like an interesting production. Anything else?
1: No, that's it. They thank you very much for time. the
0: call, sir. 217-688-1433 If you would like to be on the program, and the more you talk, the less I have to. So please do give us a call. Let's see here. So there is a lot going on. I told you that Madonna said that she was going to do a concert and you hear like, oh, she's going to do a fundraising concert in Nashville uh, because of the shooting. And you think like, okay, that's a really nice thing. A bunch of people are dead. You're going to go try to help them. And she's like, no, I'm doing it for the trans rights groups. Um, and uh, here's over at the Post Millennial. In a move not, e- uh, in a move even more disgusting than her Botox-filled face, Madonna is heading to Nashville not to raise funds for the families of the victims in a Covenant school shooting, but for trans rights groups. Quote: With anti-LGBTQ+ legislation passing in Tennessee and other states, a longtime social activist Madonna announced an additional stop on her The Celebration tour in Nashville on December 22nd. A portion of the proceeds from the show will go to trans rights organizations in regard to over over, in regard to the over 100 anti-LGBTQ plus bills currently before state legislatures. Madonna's website reads, presumably, Madonna's PR team is referring to the laws that actually protect children against recent bans on child sex changes and public drag performances, because that's what passes for anti-trans now. If you're like, well, you know, I don't want you to. Go and try to abuse the children. They're like, well, that discriminates against trans people because that's what trans people do. 217 688 1433, if you would like to be on the show. And if, and the more you talk, the less than I have to. So please do give us a call. Did any of you see Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, on 60 Minutes? Because I heard that like the, the Liberals, they were freaking out about this. And so I was like, all right, I'll go watch 60 minutes. It's not something that I would normally endeavor to do. Uh, but I watched the 60 minutes um, interview with MTG um, Marjorie Taylor Green. And everybody's all bent out of shape because Marjorie Taylor Green said that Democrats are the pedophile party. And Leslie Stahl is like, they're not pedophiles. OK, um, you now when she says they're pedophiles and then uh, even in New York Post, I got the New York Post up here and I'll actually read to you what they say. In one of the more shocking moments, the Georgia lawmaker responded, I would definitely say so when Stahl pressed her on previous comments she made about Democrats being the party of pedophiles. Quote, they support grooming children, Taylor Green, 48, said without providing evidence. Now, if you don't know. The New York Post is not is not the Washington Post, right? Like it's supposed to be a somewhat right wing uh, publication, and it does a pretty good job of that a lot of the time. And they're like, well, without providing evidence, she says that they groom children. I'm like, wait a second. So like, when they are supporting the transgender books in the school, what do you think that they're doing? Do you need to? Do you need to have the books there? What about the meetings where the people go? They try to read the book in a school board, and and like the board, the school board is like, hey, 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 you can't read that in this room full of adults. Okay, people are gonna lose their minds, and they're like, but this is in my kid's kindergarten uh, library, so. You tell me that I can't read this in a room full of adults and you want to give it to my kindergarten, you're out of your mind. And the Democrats are like, well, you're a Nazi if you don't like that. And they're like, well, look, you know, you could call me a name. But at the same time, I'm kind of bent out of shape about the gender groomers. Okay. so I would go ahead and say that Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, some of the things that Marjorie Taylor Greene probably has said probably are crazy. I heard she said like um, weather stuff. Right. Um, And like, you know, QAnon. You know, I'm, I'm happy to believe that, like, the government's run by a bunch of pedophiles. Just, like, stop spamming my Telegram channel, QAnon. You know, like, if, tele- if if QAnon would stop spamming my Telegram channel and, like, send me Bitcoin instead, I'd be like, yeah, QAnon's great. But they don't. Like, it's just a bunch of Telegram spam. I don't even know what, I don't even know what QAnon is other than Telegram spam. And, and like, people pointing, you know, if you say that the Democrats are a bunch of pedophiles, they're like, QAnon. I'm like, no, it's not QAnon. It's, it's like it's watching television, I figure this out. I, I don't, I ban the, I ban the QAnon. But they say, oh, it's not, they say without evidence. Okay. And Leslie Stahl just turns around and says, well, they're not pedophiles. Well, is this a, is this a debate, Leslie Stahl? Do you have evidence that they're not pedophiles? Do you have evidence that um, feeding kids transgender pornography is not pedophilia? Can you provide evidence of that? Because, you know. Nobody says that Leslie Stahl said without evidence that the Democrats aren't pedophiles, which would seem, you know, the conclusion that a reasonable per- person would make from concluding that they are, in fact, giving children pornography. That's, you know. So, that's uh, that's, that story. We'll go through this. 217 688 1433. If you would like to be on the program, and no more you talk to tell the list I have to, so please do give us a call. Now, um, Yeah, I'll just play the clip, actually. We got this here. We'll do that. Oh, but I have to turn off the music before I do that, because the music's probably still playing, right? Because I made an hour-long loop of that thing. All right. So somebody informed me that the music was distractingly loud until I got into my monologue. So I'll keep that in mind for the future. Thank you very much for that that, uh, feedback, sir. I'm assuming that you're a sir, because, you know, stuff. All right. Now, let me turn this thing up. And then I'll play the clip
2: that are over the top like the Democrats are a party of pedophiles. <laughs> I would definitely say so. They support grooming children. They are not pedophiles. Why would you say that? Democrats Democrats support even Joe Biden. The president himself supports children being sexualized and having transgender surgeries. Sexualizing children is what pedophiles do to children.
0: Wow. Right. So like when she says sexualizing children is what pedophiles do to children, she just says, wow. And that's just that's it. You know, that's how you win that argument. You're just like, wow, you say really over the top things like feeding pornography to kids is sort of out of line. Wow. You're an extremist. And then she just moves on. Right. And the other thing about it, as a matter of fact, hang on a second. Do I have the whole thing up here? I kind of if I I was tempted to try to pull up clips from it, but I'll just tell you that at the beginning of the thing, Leslie Stahl is uh, she says, "Okay, here's a bunch of things that people say about you. You're crazy. You're dangerous. You're an extremist. You're a dummy. You're retarded. What do you say to people who call you these names? And she acts like this is an act of responsible, responsible journalism. When what it's very obvious that she's doing is she's name-calling. She's like, hey, you know, I'm going to call you a bunch of names and I'm going to pretend it's journalism by saying I saw it on Twitter. And then in that, in that, that later in that segment where she's talking about the, the pedophile thing, she says, well, why are you doing name-calling? Why are you calling them pedophiles? If I was Marjorie Taylor Greene, I'd turn around and be like, you just called me a retard. What are you talking about? But... Interestingly enough, like people got really bent out of shape about this. It wasn't like and and I don't mean like a bunch of people on the right got mad that they were treating um, Marjorie Taylor Greene badly. That was a bunch of Democrats being like, oh, you're giving air to her extremist views. You're promoting Marjorie Taylor Greene. And I was like, no, as a matter of fact, they like dragged her. And I'm surprised that she did the interview. And I hope she doesn't do it again because these people were complete. It wasn't even just that it was unfair. It was just a mockery. It was really, really abusive. But the Democrats are like, wait a second. You know, It's not good enough that you dragged her through the mud. You have, to, you have to be really, really mean to people. And that's not what I wanted. Let me turn that sound off so that that doesn't happen again. 217-688-1433. If you would like to be on the program, and the more you talk, the less I have to, so please do give us a call. Let me see. What do I want to do here? So um, Vivek Ramaswamy is uh, he's seeking a Republican nomination for President of the United States. And I think that's pretty amusing. I mean, he says that he's seeking the Republican nomination for President of the United States, is how I should actually say that, because I don't believe for one second that Vivek Ramaswamy, or Vivek Ramaswamy, thinks that he's going to get the Republican nomination for President of the United States. So I don't know what it is that he's trying to do, but he's not trying to become president of the United States. Let's just, you know, we'll we'll start right there. But he says he's going to pardon the J6 prisoners and uh, the Mackey guy, who I mentioned earlier. And he's going to drain the IRS and FBI swamp, according to a headline over at Revolver News. Which is like, all right, that's a great idea. I mean, you know, if you say that, can somebody else say it? Because... Um, I think you'll get Donald Trump to do that, right? Like, Donald Trump will go and say, hey, I'm going to pardon. I think Donald Trump will probably do it more responsibly, right? Donald Trump will say, he's been saying, that if, if I need to use pardons, I'll do it. We'll straighten this thing out. I don't know that you actually want to do a blanket pardon for everybody who got arrested as a result of the January 6th thing, okay? Um, you know, I know that there's guys there who assaulted police officers. And maybe you say, you know, as a matter of fact, I wrote a letter to one of these defendants recently, And I said to him, like, look, you know, things obviously went sideways out there, but, you know, you guys were left with no good options. I got questions about that election that haven't been answered. And if you can't prove to me that the election was on the level, guess what? It's not, okay? If I don't have confidence in it, it's not okay. You don't get to tell me it was on the level, shut up. You don't get to do that. That's not not how this works, okay? If you remove all the fraud protections, there's a reason that you're trying to do that, all right? And the fact that I can't detect the fraud after you remove the fraud protections tells me nothing about the honesty of the election, so I'm sick of hearing about it. And these people went there, and they were bent out of shape. And things went sideways. Okay, not okay. If you go into the Capitol and you, like, fight the police, you know, even if you're right, expect to spend a little time in jail, sorry to tell you. Like, even, even, even if you accept that it was a, perfectly great idea to try to overthrow the government that day well the guys who tried to overthrow the government that day sort of like have to get the idea in their heads that they're going to do a little bit of time that's that's how overthrowing the government works when you don't succeed you know it's a failed coup you end up you know the the lucky ones go to jail okay so you don't want to do like a blanket uh you don't want to do a blanket party and so I don't know what Vivek Ramaswamy thinks he's going to do. He's, who is he competing with, okay? Like, is he, is he think that Donald Trump's going to drop out and be like, okay, Vivek, you do it. No, no, no. Donald Trump is not going to do that. So it'll be very interesting to see where that goes. 217-688-1433 if you would like to be on the program. We're not going to do that. We'll close that one out. One of those stores we got here. Is that, is that... Asa Hutchinson just jumped into the race, and I—I I mean, I don't know who's giving these people their information. You know, like Asa Hutchinson. My recollection of it is that like he's—he's—he's he's, he's one of these governors who who actually vetoed a transgender bill, right? The the legislature in his state was like, you know what, we're kind of sick of you trying to rape the kids in the public schools, so we're going to try to stop you from doing that. And he's like, well, wait a second, that might violate the rights of the rapists. And and the legislature thankfully was like, no, we're going to override your veto because we don't like people raping our children. And so uh, then he's like, you know what, you guys are jerks. I'm going to run for president of the United States because what I think America really wants is transgender rapists ruining the country and so that's that's his uh that's his banner for the republican party i have my doubts that it's going to be viable um it's trump versus desantis is the best that i can figure and trump's like 30 points ahead of him i don't even i i really don't get what these other people think they're going to do i mean they'll get like a bunch of money right and some of that money they'll probably pocket but i mean you know you know, but ultimately the, the pleasure of money is in the spending, right? So, you know, if you get you get your campaign gets a bunch of money and then you get to go spend it, it's, you know, it's a lot of fun, I guess. But I don't think that any of them are coming anywhere near, you know, the Republican nomination. I think a lot of them will be very lucky if they get into, uh, if they get to debate Donald Trump. At some point, they're going to like, they're going to burn out, you know. They're going to go to Iowa New Hampshire and Iowa and New Hampshire are going to be like, what are you talking about? You running for president? I've never heard of you before. Go away, you know. Now, maybe you've heard of Nikki Haley and you've heard of Asa Hutchinson. You know, if you pay attention to Republican politics, you might know who Asa Hutchinson is. I don't think the average person does, as a matter of fact. But, you know, if you pay attention to Republican politics, you might know. But they're going to be like, okay, so you want to do what? You want to hate Donald Trump and love transgenderism? I think that that's probably going to be, you know, less than viable. So I don't know what these people think they're accomplishing. Um, Fellow White says on Entropy, what's up, Cantwell? First time, long time. Thank you very much, sir. Um somebody sent me a thing here, posted comment in questions. Sorry, disregard Boomer Tank. Is there a question there? Oh, I see. He's, he's apologizing that his super chat was a, just a comment and he wasn't asking a question but it shows up in my questions feed. So, you know, there's a thing over here. A lot of you guys, you don't know this. You can watch on Entropy, uh, EntropyStream.live slash is uh, my, uh, my, uh, my video live stream, and you can send me money there. And when you send me money, I see what you're saying, okay? So, like, there's a chat here, and there's a bunch of stuff, like, flies by, and I don't have time to read it all. But when you send money, it shows up in, like, this big, bold print, and I'm like, well, I better read that. 217-688-1433, if you would like to be on the program, and the more you talk, the less I have to, so please do give us a call. On the prior episode, somebody asked me a question. They said, if social engineering equals manipulation, would you say the state is ideally manipulative or inherently manipulative? Now I didn't see this, because there's like a whole bunch of things that we stream to. And somebody actually sent me this with some money as well. And I apologize. I didn't see uh, I didn't see it on there because I don't I, I usually watch entropy and not DLive. But if social engineering equals manipulation, would you say the state is ideally manipulative or inherently manipulative? And the reason that this question comes up is because we were talking about nudge on the on the prior episode, and nudge is uh, as you probably know if you've been listening, um, this book by um, Cass Sunstein and um, Richard Thaler, basically talking about you know trying to manipulate people's decisions by making cho- choice architecture, manipulating the avi- environment essentially. And so is it ideally manipulative or inherently manipulative? Well, the state is inherently manipulative, right? The whole entire point of it is to structure people's behaviors. That's, it's, it's impossible to conceive of a state that does not control the behavior of its citizens because that's the entire purpose of the institution, right? I mean, maybe if you're a libertarian, like you think that the whole entire purpose of the state is just like harm people and just be mean and steal, but like, if you're somebody who believes that like the government actually has a legitimate role to play in the world, the entire the entire purpose of the institution is to guide the behavior of others, right? And so I would say that the state is inherently manipulative, but I would also say that it is ideally manipulative as well, because you you wouldn't want a state that is inherently manipulative trying not to manipulate because that would be it failing to perform its function, right? If the state is supposed to control people's behaviors and the state is failing to do what it is supposed to do, then we have ourselves a bit of a problem, I would go so far as to say. And so I would say it is not either or, it is both and. That is, the, uh, that is my view of your question. Cold fusion lazy asked that on DLive. Let's go to the phones. Caller, you are on Surreal Politics. What can I do for you today?
2: Hi, Chris. Um, A little bit ago, you had said, uh, and correct me if I misunderstood, but you were basically saying that it was a bad idea if Trump were to become president again and then issue pardons for the people that were at January 6th protesting the election results. No, let me me
0: just clarify that what I I said was, I don't think you should do a blanket pardon for everybody who got arrested in the vicinity on January 6th. I, I think that it's not good politics to say that the guys who fought the cops are, are getting a pardon, okay? Um, if you want to say that, you know, I know that there were people who went there and got arrested for being in the building. Okay, pardon all those guys. Um, Jacob Chansley for, is a good example, I'd say. Go ahead, pardon Jacob Chansley, right? Um, but, like, I was locked up with a guy in Virginia who, who maced a police officer, okay? And so, look, I, you know, I can understand why the guy was bent out of shape. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that he's a bad person, But I don't think it's good politics to pardon the guy who maced a police officer, certainly.
2: I I hear what you're saying on that, but I think there's frustration from the the right side of this equation, because, you know, if you look back, uh, I'm sure your memory is long enough for this to Trump's inauguration. Um, that was like pretty much an organized, you know, antifa riot essentially against the inauguration of the president, and the charges were dropped against all, pretty much everybody. I, I don't think I've seen a single conviction that came out of that. I'm, I'm the sure the inauguration some, day but,
0: thing, I can was, tell you, the the inauguration day thing, they literally did like it wasn't a pardons per se, but like the prosecutors right. dropped all of the charges as a blanket matter. I'm very familiar with that case because one of the guys who who, who attacked me in Virginia as a matter of fact, was was one of those defendants. And so I know exactly what you're talking about, and that's exactly what happened, that the prosecutors were like, yeah, you know, we legalize crime when Donald Trump is president.
2: Yeah, and so I mean, I think the, the frustration comes down to you know in that case you know I could I could understand somebody maybe saying well the prosecutors were left wing appointees and then they're of course they're going to drop these cases and you know it's not as politically taxing because it's not a figurehead doing it it's you know behind the scenes later on in the court system, um, but you know it, it gets frustrating when you look at Donald Trump and on his way out he pardoned a number of rappers he's pardoning. Uh, You know, white collar criminals from, you know, that have Israeli dual citizenship, but he's not spending any pardons on anybody that was involved in the January 6th thing, which people could blame him for because he called people to come to the Capitol that day. And we're not going to get the same sort of treatment in the court system or with the prosecution, even when they are appointed by people like Donald Trump. I mean, you know, we just had this thing that happened in Tennessee where um, a Trump appointed judge blocked their ability to stop transgender events for children in Tennessee. And, you know, this is a guy that was recommended by the Federal Society. You know, a lot of conservative organ- organizations put cre- credence behind this guy. He's from the South. You would think he would be a conservative judge. But he's the one that goes out and talks about, oh, well, we can't block the First Amendment, you know, for these trannies. Um, so it's like, well, where are we going to get any kind of preference from the system? If we, if we can't expect Donald Trump to do it, we can't expect his appointed judges to do it on the back end. And we don't have prosecution to do it when is it going to happen? And what, what should we be expected to do? I mean, keep supporting these people. Like where, 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 do we get our justice from?
0: Well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not actually certain that we get it. Matter of fact. And I, and I certainly don't think that uh, I have no reason to think that we will or should get these sort of preferential treatment that allows us to mace police officers. Right? So like if the, if the left is running around committing crimes, the answer to that problem is to put them in prison, right? Um, and I think that that's actually like a really reasonable thing to do. And I, and, I, and I think that the the way to do that is to do it in like a, a really scary, loud, dangerous fashion that makes everybody really afraid of us, right? I, I think that guys who run around—I'm not saying that guys are just running around assaulting police officers. I don't think that's what these people were doing on January 6th, but like, you know— you're not what I'm saying is that it's not good politics, right? That like if you say, hey, the guys who maced police officers on January 6th, I'm going to pardon them. I'm saying that that is not actually aiding your cause in your effort to get the Republican nomination and become president of the United States is is the, the I, fundamental I, point that I'm making. And see- go ahead.
2: No, I I hear what you're saying on that. But the problem is, is that it's perfectly fine politics when the other side does it. And it's also fine politics when the right does it, but in favor of leftist issues. So it just seems like it's only bad politics when it favors the actual bedrock of this country.
0: Well, I I don't think it's good politics when the right does it, actually. I, I think that when the right goes and lets the left get away with things, I think it's very bad politics, right? We, we know that it's bad politics because Donald Trump is not president of the United States after a summer of race riots. OK, so what actually would have been good politics is for Donald Trump to go out and have these people gunned down by the military while they were trying to burn down federal courts. Right. <laughs> that would have actually been a really great idea. So like if the military went out and shot all these idiots while they were tearing the country apart. That would have been good politics. It's not good politics to right. let leftists commit crimes unless you're a leftist, right? Because chaos right. favors leftists, okay? So if you allow the country to descend into chaos, then then the Democrats will benefit from that. And so I, I, I don't think that it is good politics. I don't know what it is that they are— I don't know what coercion or force that they are responding to when they do these things, but it's very clearly nefarious when they do, right? And so— that the that is a that is a secret that we are not privy to. Let's say, and I don't know. I, I have to imagine that, um, you know, you can you can you can conclude. I guess one of two things about that phenomenon. One is these people are screwing us, and we're dumb for believing them. And a lot of people, you know, understandably reach that conclusion. Um, the the other thing that you can believe about it is that when the right does those things. They are responding to some some force that that is that puts their political power in peril, right? And I think that that seems like the more probable thing. I, I I think it's reasonable to assume that people find things out when they become president that they did not know when they ran for president, and so I think that's part of the reason why their behavior. uniformly changes when they get in there they're like they get in there and they're like okay here's what's actually going on guy and they're like oh my god it's even worse than i thought (laughs) okay and and they have to make some pretty difficult decisions um when that when that scenario ensues i I would i would go so far as to say and maybe those decisions are exceedingly poor but it's not i don't think it's in dispute that like when the right gives into left-wing things it hurts them politically. I mean, that, that is like a, a uniformly bad thing and I don't know why they keep on doing it, but it it never works out for them. Right. It's not good politics.
2: Well, I mean, it uniformly happens, like you said, but it never happens the other way. And the other thing is, is, you know, we're talking about chaos benefiting the left or order benefiting the right. But you know, when it comes to trainees being able to like put on events for children in Tennessee, all of a sudden now we want to talk about the rule of law and we want to talk about, you know, your first amendment rights and all these other things. And it only ever seems to be applied when it's beneficial to certain, uh, political approaches. And, you know, when you're an appointed judge, you're not really worried about political backlash or outcomes. So why would this person do this? I mean, and he literally did it the day before the law was supposed to come into play. So, I mean, it it really bewilders me. Um, you know, you're talking about these like hidden levers of power, and, you know, if that's the case, then, like, what's the point, right? I mean, if, if if there's only one side that has to answer to the beholden lovers of power and then the other side agrees with the beholden lovers of power, I mean, wh- what are we talking about? I mean, obviously, there's some kind of overarching power system, which the vote and, and the different parties don't really matter, you know, one way or the other because they're going to coalesce to it anyway. I mean, it just gets kind of ridiculous at a certain point.
0: I completely agree that it gets it gets ridiculous at a certain point, but I don't think that judges are immune from political considerations by any stretch of the imagination, right um, it's it's impossible I would go so far as to say that there's no reason to, I understand that that's like the the theory behind having judges be um, not be elected is that they're supposed to be not responding to political pressures but I mean, it's I think it's self-evident that courts do respond to political pressures. Right. Um, I, I'm trying to remember.
2: Well, I, 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 I don't mean to cut you off, Chris, but I mean, we're talking about Tennessee and we're talking about a conservative judge and we're talking about an appointee of Donald Trump in, in a state that's very, very you know comfortably conservative. And we're talking about a very popular, like publicly popular law in Tennessee supported by the, go- the state government to not allow transgender people to have events with children. And he blocked it on, you know, we're talking about like the 23rd hour of the, you know, the chance to block it. He blo- he comes out and blocks it. it. That's inexplicable. It's not political pressure that made him do that. Well, it's some sort of political pressure, but it's not political pressure that actually threatened his position. I mean, you know, I mean, it, I understand what you're saying, and I, I, I know that there are political pressures on judges, broadly speaking. But in this case, that that doesn't answer the question here that I'm getting at.
0: Well, I think I think I think the reason that it doesn't answer the question is because we don't we don't have the answer, right? Like, what caused this judge to do this thing that would seem out of character given what we know about the judge? Well, actually, as you point out, we haven't answered the question because we don't know, and so. But to speculate, it's it's not because um, it, it's not because somebody who believes conservative things. Um, was convinced that this would benefit society. We can say that much with a with a certain degree of confidence. So, you know, there's the possibility that the guy's, you know, a, a closet red. There's the possibility that, you know, I don't know, somebody kidnapped his child for all we know, right? I, I don't, I'm not familiar with the case myself, but you have to think that like, you know, the Democrats are monsters, right? <laughs> like they're not, you know, like, like they will kidnap, murder, and rape people. You know, it's, I don't think that that's, I don't even think that I need to provide a great deal of evidence for that. I think it's just, you know, uh, I'll just drop it there like Marjorie Taylor Greene and the pedophiles. And like, I, I think that most people will probably understand that like the Democrats are evil. And, and so like the idea that they would go out and commit some dangerous crime or threaten somebody um, in order to obtain a political outcome seems self-evident to me that, 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 that is entirely possible. Now I'm not saying that that happened with this judge, but there's something that happens. I mean, it, you know, the Supreme Court provides you know how many countless examples, right? Um, you know when they when they had the situation where they leaked the the um, the the Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health decision, the thing overturning Roe v. Wade, right? That's that's a spy inside the Supreme Court leaking the decision in the in the hopes of changing the outcome. And I I forget I, was it that case? There's something where John Roberts was was recorded somewhere saying we'll have riots. I, I forget if that was the thing or not, but, you know, Chief Justice John Roberts was like, was was recorded, somebody reported that he said as a, as a consequence of de- debating a decision, there will be riots, okay? Well, like, I, I, what I would hope is that these people would come to the conclusion that, like, you're going to have riots, period, because there are Democrats in the country and you haven't been doing anything to, like, stop their proliferation. So, you know, the sooner that you do that then you know the sooner that you can reduce the amount of riots and you know, de- democrats and riots are you know it's a, i don't know pick your pick your analogy you know they go hand in hand and so i think that uh, uh i don't know i don't know go ahead
2: I I agree with you that Democrats are evil or that, you know, the people we're going to call Democrats are evil and that they could put pressure on people. But in this case, there's just no evidence of that. And I think that you're giving way too much leeway to these people that are, I don't know if you want to call them fake conservatives or, you know, they're, they're, they don't care or whatever way you want to characterize these people. But I just think that you're letting them off the hook. Uh, They are, they're serving interests that are not, in line with um, the voters of their party, let's say, uh, or just the normal sense of the country. And it there is no good explanation as to why that happened. And this is a very good specific case where you're talking about Tennessee, you're talking about a popular law pushed by the state government to block transgender access to children. And somehow, it doesn't matter how, they figured out a way to get this judge to block it. Um, I, I,
0: should, I just want to clarify, I'm, I'm not, it's not that I'm letting them off the hook, right? I'm not, I'm not condoning, you know the 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 problem that you're describing i i acknowledge that it is a problem
2: you're giving you're giving you're giving democrats the blame by saying that maybe they pressured his children or something and it's like why don't we look at why this guy and why other republicans that do this on a regular basis do these things or conservative justices that you know the Supreme Court has no real uh, levers of pressure on it after they get put into the position. But tons of times you get these conservative judges appointed by, you know, uh, Fuhrer Trump that are all of a sudden turning on, you know, basic, you know, conservative principles. It just doesn't make sense. There's something else at play here beyond the party designation. All,
0: all I, well, 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 well hang on, hang on, hang on. So all I'm saying and and I'm glad I'm glad to do this with you, by the way, OK, and and i'm and i appreciate it you're helping me to articulate a point that maybe i've articulated poorly and i and i'm grateful for the opportunity okay i am not saying that this provides an excuse and that therefore these are benevolent actors okay what I, what i'm saying is that you're describing a situation where it does not make sense given the information publicly available that this was the outcome okay and i am agreeing with you that actually that doesn't make any sense at all what we know is that it's it's happening and that we are deprived of the knowledge necessary to understand why it's happening but it's it's happening often enough that there is a cause for it and and there and there is a there's a pattern that we are you know we are able to identify the pattern in so far as the outcome but what we are not privy to is what is is what is causing that outcome right it doesn't mean and, and I, my position has never been and it's never going to be that the the particular you know corporate shell under which these people raise money which is a political party it, it makes them benevolent by definition that that's not that's not my position at all the, my only position is that in the two-party political system that the united states has as a as a result of the constitutional winner take all model of our election system Um, there is one political party that is more attuned to my ideas than the other one. And so that is the political vehicle that that is the the legal vehicle through which political activity is channeled into elections. And that's that's my observation of how our politics work. It's not it's not it's not a it's not a moral position. Right. And so. Are there bad people in the Republican Party? Yeah. I, I just got done talking about, like, Asa Hutchinson is over, you know, vetoing, you know, transgender bills. And thankfully, you know, his legislature turned around and was like, no, you know, we got enough of a majority here that we'll, we'll overturn your veto. F off. You know, good. You know, um, it's I don't think that putting an R next to somebody's name makes them benevolent by any stretch of the imagination, what I think is that if Democrats are in there, we know why they did it, because that's what they said they would do, right? It, it, it's, it's good if there's something wrong when they do these things. When it's the expected pattern of behavior, I would say that that's, a, that's a, actually a bigger problem. You know, maybe I, I would understand if you disagreed with that, but that's kind of the, the point that I'm making, that when a Republican goes and says, well, you know, we must protect the freedom of, of gender groomers, we say, wait a second, what are you talking about? That that has nothing to do with the constitution. They're not allowed to groom the children. And we're like, hey, you know, that's an unexpected consequence of this. When a Democrat judge does it, they're like, Yeah, that's why you that's why we don't vote Democrat. And and so, you know, we're we're at least creating some, you know, awareness of the of the problem at that point, I'd say.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's expected insofar as every time you need a Republican heel in a Republican state, you get one. I mean, you know, it, maybe it's not like 99 percent of the time they're allowed to pretend like they care about these issues. But then when it actually matters, they don't have to. I mean, that's expected. Uh, maybe it's not blanketly expected or they're not open about it, let's say. But I, I wouldn't say that it's not expected behavior. I mean, it happens all the time.
0: Well, it, it, it happens entirely too frequently. We'll say that. Look, you know, I, it, it is not a uniform phenomenon that Republican, like Republican appointed or Republican elected officials, screw over conservatives. That is not a that is a not a universal one hundred percent of the time thing. And and the the most notable one that comes to mind is the Roe v Wade thing. Now, I understand there's people on the right who have differences of opinion about that, but you know, that was a pretty big deal for me. Um, and, and I think it was a pretty big deal for, you know, a lot of other people. And I would say that, um, you know, I didn't think that that would happen. Like, I, I totally thought that the Roe v. Wade thing was going to be one of the situations you're describing. That we have we have a 5-4 vote because now there's, you know, the Republican was like, well, you know, we got to respect precedent or whatever. And, you know, as a matter, that's in fact exactly what John Roberts did. John Roberts voted against himself. But, you know, it actually, you know, it actually did get overturned. Now, you know, uh, so again, it's not that I think that Republicans are uniformly good. I do think you Democrats are uniformly bad. I don't think you're going to get anything good out of a Democrat. That's a, that's a pretty reliable phenomenon, I'd say. Um, but, you know, the Democrats are powerful enough that, you know, that they can, they can pressure the other side. And that is a, that is a phenomenon that I think that it would be worth, you know, trying to stop. But that doesn't, that doesn't happen if you deprive their political opponents of power, you know?
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, so, like, the Democrats have their heels, too. Like, when it comes down to a tie-breaking vote, like, you'll have people like um, the governor of West Virginia voting with the Republicans when it matters, like, for certain issues. I just think, ultimately, there are a set of issues or things that the state is centered around that matter to them. Some of them fall on the left-wing side. Some of them fall on the right-wing side. And ultimately, when it comes time for the things that matter, you either get broad consensus or you get like your heel, depending on what party you want to look at and where the issue is taking place. And I, I guess I'll just leave it at that. But I think that maybe there is an overarching power structure, which you talked about, and there might be overarching issues that don't necessarily fall on party lines or that aren't really decided by democratic elections and and people that are in positions of you know elected power. There's something else that Pushes them in the way in which they want them to, to vote or pass legislation or act or whatever. That is maybe something more central that we need to look at. Um, and that that's I guess just my point that I'll I'll leave that. But I, I appreciate the discussion. I think it was very interesting. I,
0: I I do too. Thank you very much for another excellent call, sir. Thank you very much for the call. And I and I think you're right, by the way. I don't I'm not um, you know I'm not disputing what you say. If you if you're his if his point is that you know there's a there's a power structure that. Is not subject to; <laughs> it does does not consider itself subject to our opinions. You know, I, I'd say that there's a lot of evidence for that. Caller, you are on uh, the uh, the <laughs> you are on surreal politics. What can I do for you, sir?
3: Hi, um, no, I was just listening to that conversation and uh, I, I, kind of along those lines. Like, I, I, it's kind of <clears throat> I kind of wanted to brainstorm some of this with you because uh, I found that conversation kind of leading exactly where I, where I was going to go, which is, you know, when you look at the power structure and you're trying to figure out what is their goal, it's, you know, when you look at the Democrats in particular, like it seems that they just want chaos, but, but on the other side, there is something obviously orchestrating things to some degree, pretty, uh, pretty amazingly well, because uh, there, it seems that uh, it's very hard to, put up roadblocks to what they're doing. Right. And I don't know if that's because of the technology or, or what it is, but um, you know, it's like, here's kind of where I'm going with it. When you look at what's going on, it's kind of like you're fighting an entire bureaucracy. Right. And if, and you know, something that Richard Spencer, I'm sure you know who that is. He, he mentioned, you know, like he, he kind of said, oh, I'm going to support the Democrats because they're doing things that I want, even though <laughs> they're doing it for the wrong reasons. Right. And it, and and, it, and it's funny, but in a way, it makes you wonder, you know, are they are they just doing things in a roundabout way to make it seem like they're trying to help the people that they actually want to hurt? And, and but obviously you can say, well, you know, native born Americans, they're totally against them or at least it seems that way. And I would say for those of us who are looking from the outside in at what they're doing, kind of what the previous caller was saying, you know, the, the main thing that I would see as, a, as being a problem for normal people is because you ha- there's so many positions within the bureaucracy and there's so much money necessary and so much organization necessary that if you were to get uh, enough people who were, saw things like us, it seems like there's a overarching plan that, Uh, you know, their fail safe is basically that collapse will happen if they don't get things the way that they want them. And, and again, going back to the Richard Spencer thing is like, uh, you know, is it possible that they're doing things that maybe we would agree with if we understood what their goal is, Or, or do you think it's so nefarious that it doesn't really matter even if what their, what their goal is, um, I know this is kind of a horrible way of putting it, but hopefully you kind of get the gist of what I'm trying to. Well, let me to.
0: let me let me try to pick apart it a little bit, and and if and I'll let you respond, and then we'll see if I understand what you're saying. I, I think that you you describe a scenario of an overarching continuity of uh, patterns of events, which seems to move in a singular direction of civilizational collapse. Is that a fair assessment of of what you're observing?
3: So, uh, yes, in a way, I would say yes. You know, like uh, uh, another previous caller talked about the the fertility collapse all around the world, especially in industrialized countries, but not only in industrialized countries, like basically, in in other words, women are choosing not to have children. And so when people uh, talk about, you know, the World Economic Forum and they're going to control us and this and that, it's like they don't need to do it from a centralized fashion per se. They just need to convince enough people of a particular worldview. And then they do it. They enact, they enact the policies themselves. And a lot of us end up chasing uh, the, 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 uh, the hierarchical structure, but it's actually at the end of the day, uh, it's dependent upon it at bare minimum, the ignorance of the population um of what's going on or maybe uh, ambivalence to what's going on or you know so so and again I, i'm kind of jumping all around but i'm trying to I, but what what i would say about the societal collapse is i think that's their backup plan like basically they would say you know okay if we don't get our way then we'll just let things fall apart because the the system is so uh compl- complicated that if someone else tries to seize power uh it won't function the way that it does currently you know does that make any sense
0: I I think that I think so, and so the my my theory of it, and I'm just going to use Republican and Democrat in in order to sort of simplify things. I I understand that when w- when you see Republicans doing Democrat things, I attribute that to Democrat. Okay, but and I understand that, just, and I'm just explaining that so you understand my language. You can disagree with the position, but what what I see is. Leftists basically have an anti-human agenda, and that this I, I believe that it's in in part sponsored by foreign actors, right? So like you know China would very much like to see the United States toppled from its perch and is likely willing to um to to bribe and subvert our you know our electorals and our our entire government in order to you know accomplish that goal as one example, okay? Um, and so there are people who basically – all politics is the result of the alignment of diverse interests. And I believe that there are a lot of diverse interests which benefit from the downfall of the United States in particular. One of those interests is, is an agenda that is fundamentally anti-human and is not at all unique to the United States, which I, I believe is amplified in the United States in part by people who have a unique interest in the downfall of the United States. Um, when Republicans do non-Republican things, I attribute it to those elements because uh, they're helping them, right? I mean, the whole point of running as a Republican is to tell us that you're going to do other things, and then you do things that aid the other side. Well, you know, whatever the reason that you're doing that, I mean, that's the the effect of what you're doing, and so. Um, I guess the, what I'm moving towards is, uh, we are able to identify this, this pattern of basically what amounts to destruction. And some, some of those people are like, okay, well, I want to rule the country. I want power for myself. That's one of the, you know, alignment of diverse interests. And if you're, and if your goal of political power is your own political empowerment, then, you know, generally speaking, the Republican Party is not is not going to be for you, right? I mean, if, if Republican primary voters, if they understand that about you, will not um, will not will not vote for you, and so you would at least have to deceive you know Republican primary voters in order to have their support. Uh, I I think that's fundamentally different with Democrats, because Democrats are basically like the openly evil party at this point right like i like i didn't think it controversial and marjorie taylor green called them pedophiles they're like yeah you know we support transgenderism in the schools and so people who want people who you know vote for that they're interested in that they have you know the, the the that's what they want and i guess part of what you're saying is that this is not necessarily a consequence of a centralized organized plan there seems to be a Broader civilizational phenomenon of individuals within society who are moving in the same anti-human, destructive direction—is that part of the observation that you're making?
3: Uh, absolutely, yeah. And 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 I and, I, and, I, and I, I think what I find a little bit overwhelming, and I don't want to say blackfilling but it's it, it is definitely something where it, it makes you kind of set back and say, okay, if if I if We want to turn the direction of this. We not only have to contend with the state; we have to contend with the populace that is (laughs) self-destructive. I guess is yeah. I guess is kind of in a way my point.
0: Yeah, I I think that I think you're right, and I don't think that you can separate the. I don't think that you can separate the government from that phenomenon. Okay, Uh, it is not that uh, I. There may be some. I'll call it natural phenomenon for want of a better term in the moment, but you know what is natural is kind of a complex subject, I'd go so far as to say. But I, I call it um, something that is not a a result of uh, direct programming, that there's a there's a sort of, if you will, civilizational self-destruct mechanism that appears to emerge within the population. Does that sort of approximate what you're getting at?
3: Yeah, definitely. And I, and I think to some degree you can blame it on the policies and all this. And um and I, and I think it's useful especially in politics because we're trying to influence politics uh but but I think you know and something else you've you brought up a lot is uh, is uh the use of persuasion. And I think you know keep it in mind like you know we have to kind of uh take into account people's own you know self-destruction but yeah i think you're you're pretty much right on the money with what you're with what you're saying
0: okay so i I noticed the phenomenon that you're discussing and and we can say that this emerges in several ways so like i think feminism is one of those things right so they're they're basically i think feminism is a fundamentally anti-human idea that it's 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 fundamentally geared at um Deterring women from being women, which is is it, which is fundamentally geared towards ceasing the reproduction of humanity, okay? Uh, and I, and I think that that ties in with transgenderism. I think it ties in with the homosexual thing. And then there's like, um you know, the environmentalists, okay? So people are basically be, the the environmentalists will try to tell you that they want, you know, clean air and water, but it becomes very obvious when you observe their advocacy that that's not that's not the goal. It's that they they view humanity as a plague on the earth and, and all of our impacts on the earth are deemed a special unique sort of wickedness. And so they, they, they say that, okay, well, you know, don't use carbon, don't use energy. um, Also don't, you know, use your genitals as much as you could possibly imagine, just make sure that no babies come out of them. I mean, this is sort of like the, the way that these people view the world and it's fundamentally, and it's an anti-human thing. And some of them are pretty explicit about it. I mean, I'm working on something for the other production that I do about this feminist blogger and, and I've, and I've written over 30,000 words on it that I'm going to put it together into one of my long form um, pre-recorded pieces that like she says like in the very early stages of her blogging that like she, she basically views human life as suffering and views the moral imperative uh, to be the end of suffering and therefore, it's not a good idea to bring children into the world is one of the ways that she illustrates that. Fundamentally, her goal is the downfall of humanity, and I and I don't think that that's at all unique. I, I think that that's a. I think that that's a deeply ideological. It's a pathological ideology, if you will, and I. But I also don't think that that's. An organic phenomenon. I I believe that that's taught in the public schools to some extent, because all of like the environmental stuff that they teach kids is basically that if humanity has had an impact on the environment, as the easiest example, then therefore humanity has done something wrong. But but they have some for some reason, they have a very different view of, say, beavers. okay. they they don't view it as like a bad thing if the beaver goes dams the river and then and then there's a bunch of water all over the place they're like okay well you know the beaver does what the beaver wants he's you know he's basically a honey badger it, but if humanity goes and you know cuts down a tree somewhere we've we've committed some some sin against the one true god whose holy name is climate and so like that is something that when they teach that to kids it carries with it underlying assumptions that children are able to pick up on, okay? And when you teach kids things that, you know, masculinity is bad or that, you know, gender is oppressive, you know, you're you're basically teaching them that all of what they intuitively understand about what they are as creatures is evil and bad. And and that education, I believe, results in them being um, them being receptive to the the more doctrinaire ideological factions that come and pursue them afterwards, okay so you teach them basically these these under these things that carry these underlying assumptions and they don't necessarily have to be ideologues to to pick up on the underlying assumptions of those things that they're taught. And then as they go forward and they become politically active, they're approached by ideologues who give them the doctrinaire ideological program statements and and they adopt them and 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 thus, these things self-perpetuate themselves because then they become teachers, and then they teach the the children these things, and then you know and and it grows exponentially. And so I guess whether it's the chicken or the egg that comes first is a is a subject of um, worthy of vigorous debate. But there is at the very least a feedback loop of these phenomena, uh, which I would say is going on. Now, what I've described to you as an observation—it's not a solution—but I think that that sort of describes, you know, what's going on. What what I think as a solution—I don't know if it actually solves it or not. I, you know, there's a, there's a theory. It's a it's a perfectly plausible theory that this is a natural thing. That basically, um, this is uh, humanity's self destruction. Say, and you know, maybe you know, maybe there's a reason for that. You know, um, I don't. I can't really think of one off the top of my head, why a species would want to go extinct, but, you know, we wouldn't be the first ones that did, and uh, we wouldn't be the first ones to go extinct, I should say, and so, you know, is there some drive towards that? I don't know, but it seems to me that um, to interfere with the feedback loop, at least, is a worthwhile goal, and, and the way that you do that is through the force of the state that you basically you step in and you say, well, the government's going to dictate that you can't teach children that, you know, human impact on the environment is wicked and you can't teach women that they shouldn't reproduce. You know, you can't teach men that, you know, that being that being men is evil. And if you do those things, then, then we're going to punish you through the force of the state. And, and if you do that, then I think that you will you will cut off a lot of the um, a lot of the oxygen to the fire.
3: Yes. And and, and I I mean, that was really good analysis, in my opinion. And I I think here's my follow up question. And and you you reminded me of it right at the end. So if if there was a banner, for lack of a better term, uh, that you wanted to, let's say, unite the right or, you know, make a make, you know, make make some issue the issue in which to kind of uh, get people who were not anti-human to kind of come under. And, 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 you know, people like Alex Jones and a lot of other people have kind of teased out ideas about this. I asked another uh, host of a show on, on YouTube a few weeks ago, I asked him, uh, what would you think it is? And he would say, you know, basically for for America it would be immigration. And also if you look at Europe, it's also quite a big issue with them. Like people are starting to say this is not something that we're going to put up with much longer. And I think that's a good answer. But I I, I would ask you the same question. What do you think would be like the unifying issue that um, if there were an actual political movement of any substance um, that uh, what do you think that issue would be overall?
0: What do I think the issue would be if there was um, I'm sorry, what do I think could be the the unifying issue around which to organize political activity in response to the phenomenon we've been discussing is that
3: yes yes exactly thank you for putting in support i i think
0: that i i genuinely think probably the transgender thing is is probably the best one right because for whatever reason the democrats won't let that go okay the, there's obviously something about that that whoever's telling them what to do finds that extremely important, and that is extremely extremely unpopular. Um, I I think that there's a limit to how much you can amplify it because you don't want to come off like you're picking on powerless people. But I also think it's becoming very clear that these people are not powerless, and so the idea that you're just you know you're just picking on, you know, the idea that I don't think that the narrative will carry very far if it's asserted that transgender people are powerless and you're abusing them by pointing out that they can't be around kids. And so you have to be, if you, I don't know that it would work very well as the central issue of a campaign for the presidency of the United States, but I would say that it is a unifying theme that that should be near the center of all Republican politics at this point, that basically you just say, this is the line, right? The, the, the Democrat ideological, the the Democrat identity politics stuff stops here. This is the point where we say, no, you know, human biology is a real thing and we're not going to let you abuse the children in the name of your stupid ideological nonsense. And because I think that the response to that carries a lot of really important underlying assumptions, right? So, like, it carries implications for immigration, for example, because human beings are biological organisms born of DNA, and and DNA carries on characteristics of human beings that are important to their functions in society, and that has implications that carry on outside of gender, let's say. And that's one of the examples, you know, making people think about humanity in biological terms, I I think has important underlying assumptions, um, for subject matter best discussed elsewhere, let's say. And so, uh, that is one of them. And it's just such a unifying theme that like mothers are like, no, you're not going to like transgender my kid. You know, people who have no political opinions whatsoever are like, yeah, that's obviously you can't do that. You know? So I think that that, um, that is at least one and I would say probably the most unifying theme that there can be on the right. And it's a, it's a banner under which to organize and make friends.
3: Yeah, I think that's a really interesting answer. And I actually didn't expect you to say that, but I I think, um, you know, and and here's my actual, I'm sorry, I was actually going to leave it at that, but you reminded me of another question I had, which is, um, do you think that the big 10 approach of the, of the Republicans and the right wing is a, is a smart, uh, or good, or I don't know the right term, but is it, do you think it's a good approach? Like, you know, saying, okay, we're accepting of these LGBT people. We're accepting of these, you know, people of a different color and religion. Do you think that's a smart strategy overall, or do you think that's uh, going to run them into issues later on? And that's, a, I think that's actually a harder question than what I just asked you, but... Well, here's what I'll say about it. Off.
0: Okay, look, in in a democratically elected government it is important to have lots of people on your side okay and so there's there's problems that attend to alienating voters and so if you're going to alienate voters you have to make sure that there's a very good reason to do it that that does not um, make impossible your pursuit of political power and so I, I think that being accepting is another category of action from pursuing the goals of, okay? So I, I think that it's perfectly reasonable for the Republican Party to be accepting of everybody who will vote for and donate to them, so long as they are not um, alienating the people who are their primary demographic, which is like white middle-class voters, okay? Okay. If you're the Republican Party needs to accept that it has a constituency and it needs to cater to the interests of that constituency. And there's a reasonable argument to be made that by catering to the needs of that constituency, that they will benefit the entire country, including other constituencies. And I think that that's a, a message that's worth driving home. I think that when the Republican Party attempts to peel off Democrat constituencies, by pandering to left-wing issues which it perceives will aid them with you know blacks or gays or women or whatever it is it does not it it, it doesn't do good politics because those people don't believe it okay like what what the the quote i'm looking for is something to the effect of I read in the Wall Street Journal once that it was a good observation that like, okay, like Republicans think that they can go and like outspend the Democrats or something like no, like if people want the government to, to spend all this money, they'll just vote for Democrats to do it because Democrats will do it with more conviction was what the, what the op-ed said is the idea that's coming to my mind. So like, if you're going to say Democrat things, it's not like Democrat constituents are going to vote for you because you said Democrat things if they wanted. Democrat thinks they would vote Democrat, right? So pursue the interests of your of your constituency, and make the case that what you're doing is actually in the best interests of all of these other people. And and I think that, you know, you know Donald, somebody brought up like Donald Trump pardoning rappers or whatever, you know, certain things that he did. Okay, I don't think that was particularly great, but you know, I think that Donald Trump did a, you know, when Donald Trump is saying, when Donald Trump goes out there and says. Black unemployment, Asian unemployment, da, da 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 right? Like, I don't think that there's any problem with him doing that because it didn't seem to me that the, the policies were necessarily geared towards lifting, lowering their unemployment specifically. He was trying to make the economy better, and then, shockingly enough, that helped everybody, right? So when you—and and I don't think that there's a problem with pointing out that these groups were aided by it because it undermines the idea that the Democrat Party is helping these demographics because it is obviously not the case that the Democrats are helping these demographics. The the Democrat Party wants blacks to be poor and unhappy because poor and unhappy people vote for bad Democrat things. And one of the reasons I think that the Democrats are so scared of Donald Trump is because he, he threatens to make these demographics realize how badly they're getting screwed. And whether they'd become Republicans after that, I'd, I'd say is questionable, but they wouldn't, if they understood even a fraction of what's going on, that like, they wouldn't, they wouldn't keep supporting this Democrat nonsense, right? Like if you're like a, if you're a low income black person, the last thing that you need is like open borders. (laughs) You know what I mean? So like explaining that in the black community, I think is a, is a perfectly reasonable thing to do. So long as you're not like, Hey, you know, I hate racism. You middle-class white (laughs) scumbag, you know what I mean?
3: No, that's a that's a that's a great answer. And, and I can think of, you know, some specific examples. I mean, for you know, for the for example, like the, if you look at the Asians in general, you know, before they were pretty, pretty much in the pocket for the Democrats. And now, you know, let's just say since recent events in the past few years, they've kind of seen like, well, this isn't working out so well. So they're starting to turn. And also even the lot, you know, some of the Latin Americans, like if you look in Florida among the Cubans and, and, and I, I mean, I agree with you. I think for for me personally, I think it's a smart strategy for the for the uh, for the Republicans to to try and make the case that what they're doing is actually in other people's interest, because, you know, and, and I mean, I, I don't know. I, I have mixed feelings about a lot of things, but for me, you know, whatever Trump's actual alignment in real, you know, in his real life is, uh, you know, I will always credit him with. Uh, sowing distrust among the media as his greatest accomplishment. I mean, I think that alone is something worth celebrating, and uh, and and I think it was probably the most necessary step um, that I can think of if there is ever going to be a real chance of a political realignment. Um, in the I, I think States, that that's least.
0: a it's a very important point that you bring up. That like you know, I think that the the what he did to the media is is more important than anything that his administration accomplished in terms of changing public policy. Right. Like it is now, even me, like I didn't even realize I did not. And I was like a libertarian who just thought that the entire, you know, the, like basically the entire society was corrupt. And I just figured the media was a, a symptom of this, but like, I did not even realize then how uniquely bad the media was until Donald Trump okay and and making so many people realize that was you know it completely undermined the foundations of all of the horrors that we see you know the Demo- the, the, the left the 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 anti-human forces at work everything that they accomplish they accomplish by convincing people that that they are virtuous and good and well-intentioned and trying to care for Uh, people who deserve your sympathy and that is entirely a construction of this facade that is the information environment that is that is a product of the media and like they have lost that you know in the the opening monologue I, I made a joke that like you know I'm old enough to remember this I don't know if you guys do but back in the day people used to think that Democrats were the good guys and I mean like that was an actual thing and and like I actually I really don't think that that's the case anymore. I think that more and more people, I think most people, actually realize that the Democrats are not fundamentally, you know, trying to help workers or poor people or gays or whatever. I think they're just trying to destroy things. and And I think that Donald Trump did that by undermining confidence in their propagandists. And you're absolutely correct.
3: And and, and uh, I appreciate your time. And I'll leave with one final comment, and and that is, you know, it's, you know, I, just on that point. I mean, growing up um you know people really did believe the democrats were all about doing good things because of altruism and that's still the excuse that they use but that excuse is falling away and i think you know i'm not i'm definitely not pro-communist but the one thing that the communists did have right is like actually the power does lie with the proletariat and the working class in general and i think if, you know one one big problem i think the republicans have is uh You know, I think that they they really should focus on on that aspect of things, because most people that are reasonable are just hardworking, busy people who have stuff to do and they want to just not have to worry that, you know, every time they turn around, some politicians doing something that's making their life harder and worse and everything like that. And I think, um, you know, they, they, uh, you know, I I don't want to say they should soften their approach, but I think they should be more persuasive in those terms of like reaching out to the hardworking people and saying, we actually do represent you and we actually want your feedback. And I, or so, you know, something along those lines, something more persuasive than what they're doing. And uh, that's where I'll leave my comment off. And I appreciate your time.
0: I, I appreciate your time. It was a very thoughtful call. And I hope that you make it again, sir. Thank you very much for the call. All right, so you are not you are not on the phone now. You are not going to get on the phone. We're going to wrap this up. I'm going to read a couple of these super chats. Um, Aaron says, so glad you are back, my friend. I am so glad to be back. Thank you very much, sir. Um, Alt-Right Andy says, would love an option to pay several months to a year in advance using a money order in the mail for paywall content. Andy, um, go ahead, send me an email, and I'll, uh, I'll work that out with you. The reason that I don't have... Um, the option to pay several months in advance um, as an item in surrealpolitics.com/shop, which is where you become a member, is because the credit card uh, processors don't tend to appreciate that. The, the credit card processors view that as something that is more likely uh, that it is more likely to uh, result in disputes over charges, and so they they are averse to doing this. Um, it's not impossible for me to do. But because I, uh, because I don't want to have any friction with my credit card processors, I, I don't provide the option um, by default. But if you want to pay, you know, some period of time in advance, um, it's, I, I have the capacity to manually set your membership up and, and we can work it out. So if you want to send me more money than $10, I'll, I'll figure out a way to compensate you, uh, make, make you whole, okay? slash uh, contact is how you would do that, and there's a form there. You can send me an email, and I will be happy to, uh, to discuss it with you um, through that format. What else do I want to talk to you about? I mean, there's lots of stuff in the news, but I think that, uh, I think that we can stop with the news for today. So I will tell you, we're going to be back on Wednesday, not here, but at, um, on SurrealPolitics.com. Those of you who have signed up for memberships by that point. And Alt-Right Andy, if you, want to, uh, if you want to work this out with me, and you want to send me something, I'll give you your membership uh, before it comes because I know that you're a good guy and you've, and, uh, you've been helpful before. And so, um, uh, but uh, you get the idea. If you're a member on Wednesday, you go to surrealpolitics.com and on the, uh, in the right sidebar, at least it's on the right sidebar when you go with a desktop, might be at the bottom of your thing. Um, or you can get it to the, from the top menu. Anyway. If you're a member on SurrealPolitics.com, there's a link there for member chat. And if you go there Wednesday at 9.30 p.m., then I'm going to join the member chat and I'm going to bring up my video. You can bring up your video if you like or you can just bring up audio. You don't have to say anything, but you can say things. And we have like a a live video chat where uh, we can go in at, uh, at whatever length. And so I would invite you to become a member. It's $10 a month. And as a matter of fact, I'll tell you guys, you know, I said this on the other show. But because I imagine that a lot of you guys came from the other show, I'll remind you that, like, if you sign up using code, I think the code's Agenda 33, you'll get you'll get your uh, your first few months of membership, first three months of membership at 33% off. Okay, so Agenda 33, uh, uh, the first 50 people who use that code are going to get it, and they haven't used it. So uh, that's uh, that's your opportunity if you'd like to do that. And we'll work it out. If you want to uh, if you want to make alternative arrangements for payment seralpolitics.com slash contact and send me an email and we will do that and well I guess let me do one more news story just so I'm not going out with like a a, a sales solicitation you know what I thought was pretty funny it's a piece in the uh, in a Washington examiner here which I thought was pretty funny Liz Cheney 2024 chances jump after Trump indictment okay so I don't know you know who bought the Washington Examiner? <laughs> like who? Who thinks that Liz Cheney is going to be president of the United States? Honestly, you think Asa Hutchinson is going to have a hard time? Okay, Liz Cheney. the The best thing that Liz Cheney can do is is run as an independent and hope that she peels enough neocons away. But I think, like you know, the uh, the I probably shouldn't say that. Anyway, so I don't think that Liz Cheney is going to become president of the United States anytime soon. And if she does, I mean, it'll be uh, it'll be good podcast fodder because we'll make lots of fun of Liz Cheney and uh, and her uh, and her dad. And hopefully, you know, she doesn't he doesn't shoot anybody uh, because, you know, he doesn't get indicted. Yes, that's a good point. You know, Dick Cheney shot somebody in the face. Okay, and Donald Trump's getting indicted for like paying off a porn star. Come on, just stop it. Alvin Bragg legalized all but murder, you know. I talked to somebody who was a cop the other day, and he's like, yeah, we had this thing. We called them misdemeanor murders. (laughs) You can do whatever you want in New York City unless you're Donald Trump. And so anybody who thinks that, like, this is going to, you know, derail the thing or give Liz Cheney a shot at the presidency, come on. This is absolutely ridiculous. But it will be fun to watch unfold. That much, I can guarantee you. So I hope that you will be back here when we return for our members-only chat. Not here for our members-only chat. This Wednesday, surrealpolitics.com. Become a member at surrealpolitics.com slash shop, and then you'll see the the uh, membership is in the, uh, in the items that you can purchase over there. It's not the only thing you can purchase. There's a lot of fine products over there. And uh, we'll be back Wednesday. We're going to do this here every Monday at 9.30 p.m. until I change the schedule. And if you want to know when I change the schedule, you're going to want to get on the newsletter, surrealpolitise.com slash newsletter, and then you give me your email address, it'll send you a confirmation email, you know, and you're probably going to want to whitelist us, okay? You want to whitelist that email address, chris at surrealpolitis.com. make sure that I'm not ending up in your spam trap, your Google promotions folder, because, uh, you know, them Google guys, they don't know which way is up, okay? But I do, and that's why you got to keep listening to the show, and you will do that Mondays and Wednesdays for those of you who pay, Mondays uh, for those of you who don't. And we'll be back on both of those days. Thank you very much for tuning into Surreal Politics. Have yourselves a wonderful evening and good night.